welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful community radio partners across the country internationally as well. Uh, in addition to our podcast listeners, uh, where you can find the podcast at greenmajority.ca as well as all the other information about the show. This week's show is mostly a normal show with the addition of the fact that it is also the Sound of Your City membership drive here, the spring fundraiser at CIUT as well. So we're going to keep largely on a news focus, uh, but we're going to do you a favor this morning. Uh, my colleague uh, Dave Hostetter is with me in studio. Stefan is over on the phones right now waiting for your calls, as is our tech Steve. Uh, and uh, we're going to keep largely on news, but as a favor to you, um, we're actually going to, we're actually going to let we're going to let yesterday sit a little bit. <laughs> we're going to talk about fun news today while we uh, hopefully make the case that uh, this is a really excellent time to donate to community radio. Uh, of course, a lot of people are uh, feeling pretty upset this morning about uh, the election. If you're not, good for you. <laughs> but for those of us that are um, uh, concerned, uh, one suggestion, I don't want to tell people what to do, but one suggestion of things you can do uh, is to call in right now and support the station uh, for the very specific reason of uh, uh, not just our program, many programs on the station, but particularly our program, do in Intend, now that there is uh, more of an adversarial type relationship between the host of the show and the premier of the province, uh, <laughs> we're definitely going to be focusing a little bit more on Ontario uh, as a percentage of the content that we're covering. So uh, this is a way to help keep Ford uh, accountable. And uh, we're going to be doing it here, uh, uh, rain or shine, uh, but we can. D the more resources we have, the better job we can do. It is an excellent time to call in. So this is the sound of your city spring membership drive 2018. Uh, thank you very much. Before we even got off the air this morning, we already had a donation. Thank you very much to Angela. The, sh the station's fundraising uh, goal sits now at $32,000. We're trying to get it to $32,50 by the end of the program here. So uh, we got about 57 minutes. Uh, to get through, uh, looking for about five hundred dollars in donations. Uh, so I'll just give you the phone number, uh, phone number now, and then I'm going to go right down to news. I got Dave here in the studio. Uh, we're going to get started with that. Uh, so just if you uh, if you were just waiting to hear that phone number, I'll just let you know you can go ahead and do that now. It's four one six. If you're calling locally, nine four six seven eight zero zero. You can also call toll free at one triple eight. 2048976. You can, of course, as always, go online at ciut.fm uh, slash donate hyphen today if you want, or just go to ciut.fm. There's banners everywhere. Um, so with that, uh, we'll be reminding people throughout the show, we're going to talk about some of the stuff you can uh, get if you uh, make a donation. Uh, there are some uh, things, including just a tax receipt for anything over 25. There are also actual memberships and whatnot. We'll be going through some of the, a little bit of that throughout the show. But uh, I've, I think I've taken as much non-news time as I can here without some information. And Dave, I understand that in addition to having news to talk about, and in addition to it not being terribly sexy, I see from your notes that you've titled <laughs> it here, uh, sorry, uh, not terribly um, uh, uh, depressing. The title of it is Sexy Plants. Can you please explain your choice of title here? Well, yes, this time it's quite sexy. May I repeat those numbers? I like repeating numbers. Uh, please do. That's 416-946-7800 if you're calling locally. And for toll-free, that's 1-888-204-8976. It's always a great time to support community radio. Mm. Uh, but yes, we have uh, something about, uh, about sexy plants. So mm. uh, Some harmful pesticides are being replaced with genetically modified plants that can stop the spread of pesky insects by confusing them sexually. Uh, certain plants have been al already engineered to trick moths with sex pheromones, which cause the bugs to become confused and unable to mate properly. As pheromones are expensive to manufacture, bioengineering is allowing us to expand the replacement, the replacement of pesticides with effective and environmentally sound alternatives. We will soon be able to widen the practice by growing more pheromones in plants like tobacco and then applying the harvested product to field crops. It could still be 10 or 15 years before pheromone-producing plants can actually be planted alongside cash crops for protection. Scientists are also engineering yeast to produce pheromones, and some are also looking at the potential use of fungi to produce pheromones. Now, as an LGBT person myself, I do get a little <laughs> uncomfortable when I hear the expression uh, sexually confused, but we're not talking about uh, people's uh, psychosocial... Um, uh, opinions on social issues here. We're talking about uh, chemically. So this is mm -hmm. uh, essentially bio-warfare. Yeah, the bugs become attracted to the plant and are unable to procreate because they think the plant is a mate and then they all become all confused and have have strange experiences on the leaves of the plants rather than with their fellow bugs. Right. <laughs> so, Dave, it's interesting. So, uh, Stefan and I have talked about this uh, extensively on previous shows. Uh, you have never been in the studio when we've had this conversation, so I will take this opportunity to ask you your opinion. Okay. Um, in the sense of, uh, uh, you know, 
finding non-pesticide uh, ways to, you know, have pest control so we can have more crops. The argument there is you're using less pesticides, great. Um, and then there's also the other direction you could go with that, which is the, that sounds like you're messing with nature even more and you sort of get the mm. sort of anti-GMO type arguments in there. Mm. Um, do you have thoughts on either argument and are you leading one of those directions? Well, we certainly are messing with nature even more. There's a sense in which, you know, we're getting our hands even deeper into the, into the mire. Playing God, if you will. Yeah, with the bioengineering. But at the same time, if, it, if it's provably much better than pesticides immediately and better for, I suppose, the larger insect population rather than the uh, more localized insects who are becoming uh, perhaps somewhat psychologically tortured by the, by the pheromone issue. But uh, they're... Sorry, I've, uh, I've lost my train of thought now. Well, it, it just reminded me, what, what, I, what I was thinking of was that either way, this makes an excellent case for one of my previous suggestions on an older show, which was Moonbase, mm. to do these GMO experiments so that if it turns out that we accidentally create the Z virus or something, uh, it's on the moon. <laughs> it's safely on the moon and we only let lose a, you know, a few dozen scientists yeah, well, instead I, of the whole Earth. I think we've gone, we've gone so far in the direction of uh, human, uh, human tampering and industrial manufacture. <laughs> What's one more? That, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that, that at this stage, to turn back the clock... Right. You know, we we need we need all hands on deck as long as it doesn't sound completely insane. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, it's a prickly question, and and it's it's similar versions of that have come up in in numerous environmental meetings that I've had, uh, uh, been at, and stuff. And it certainly is an unresolved, as far as like you know our side, quote unquote. Uh, certainly one of those unresolved, contentious questions. I think um, mm. I'm very interested in the science aspect of it. Little bit unsure which one I'm less scared of. It's because of. it's such a fresh field. It's entirely, yeah. entirely up in the air. It's entirely open. Nobody really knows how far it can go mm -hmm. or what even could occur uh, depending on how far it goes. So people are rightfully uh, apprehensive about it, I think, and cautious. Right. And if people's reaction, just one, one good argument I would make uh, on the concern side, not the no side, but the concern side is that people, if someone are like, well, it's just bugs, who cares? Well, mm. a lot of stuff eats bugs. Remember the web of life. <laughs> Remember that web of life. Well, it's because the pesticides interfere. <laughs> pesticides like, are, are a significant cause of the massive drop in, in insect populations. Mm -hmm. so, so this also does screw with the insects but uh, potentially on a, on a less uh, massive scale. Right, and less bioaccumulation of the toxins, which is exactly. to say that when bugs die from toxins and then predators eat them, there's, mm. there's a, they accumulate. So predator fish, for instance, are going to have more mercury than lower order fish mm. because they've eaten a lot of lower order fish and that sort of thing. So very complicated. Uh, uh, I think that my, my thing here is just to, like tread carefully, I think. I'm, I'm not strongly <laughs> for or against, but I'm definitely in the, this, is, this deserves some uh, precautionary principle. It's such uh, an amazing and beautiful futuristic thing though. To have a tobacco plant producing pheromones, <laughs> harvesting the pheromones from the tobacco plant, and then going and taking those and spreading those on the crops. Yeah. Potentially planting the genetically modified tobacco plants with the other crops in order to protect them. It's sort of like a bioengineered permaculture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, I'm definitely not in the hard no camp, I think mm. for sure. Uh, I think that's an excellent uh, place to take a, a, a brief pause on that and just give people another reminder. What I would actually like to do is uh, I would actually like to um, uh, take a trade, if you will. So very mm -hmm. basically, uh, the people in the studio here are going to be trading in and out. We have Stefan in the other room. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, uh, tease some of these prizes here. Do you want to uh, trade for Stefan? We'll get uh, Stefan yeah, in the yeah, studio sure. for the next story here. While we're doing that, of course, uh, just remind you, if you can call in, this is a great time to do that, uh, support uh, the show. As I said, we're going to be focusing a lot on uh, Ford going forward apparently that's the new uh, the new show topic uh, and we would really appreciate and uh, and quite uh, need frankly uh, uh, the support of listeners to continue doing that awesome mission uh, we hope that you appreciate the job that the entire station has been doing for quite some time and uh, the urgency is uh, a little higher uh, to cover that this day uh, so if you can call in this is a great time to do that 416-946-7800 you can also call in toll free at one 204 8976 and, uh, and uh, as we were saying, if you are calling in to donate, if you donate over $25, you will get a tax receipt. Uh, if you donate $89.50, you are actually a member of CSI, uh, which has some real meaning. You get discounts uh, as well as uh, to come to uh, actual CIUT meetings and, and your actual member. You get voting rights and that sort of thing. Uh, there's also uh, T-shirts and uh, Watt certificates, uh, donate a Watt uh, certificates and stuff. The T-shirts are actually awesome. I have several volunteering here for 10 years. I have many CIUT shirts and hats and they always have great designs on them so just a few incentives there great i killed the perfect amount of time uh and bought you some time to make that call we now have traded 
the Dave for the Stefan. Yes. Uh, Stefan, how is the other room in there? Uh, it's it's bumping. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, as as people have switched. You know, suddenly uh, we well, you know, given after after. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I feel like, you know, today feels like it's, you know, maybe 30 years ago uh, for some reason. I can't say why, but for some reason, I feel like today is like, you know, a throwback to, to 30, 40 years ago uh, or even no, maybe 25 uh, to the Mike Harris era, uh, which means that phones are still uh, are still big, big. People That's still right. like phones. Uh, and so calling is a, is, a, is a preferred method. There you go. Uh, so you can call and talk to uh, talk to any of those wonderful people. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's bumping out there. So you uh, you had a story you you asked to be saved for you. Would you like to uh, to help us with that now? Oh um, well, I was going to say I, I, I was uh, I, I was going to whatever wait you had to, prepared. Yeah, for sure. Well, these are these are I sort of feel like I'm stealing the actual notes. Um, yeah, no, yeah. So the story really is, you know, well. I feel like no, I'm going to save the story. I'm going to save the story to uh, to another to this space. It, a, it, it needs a bit of room to breathe as it gets. So I'm going to tease this one. Okay. Uh, but it's it's a it's it's a I, I, the goal of the story is to give everyone one second of feeling a gigantic weight off their shoulders. Oh, I like it. Uh, but only for like a half a second. So like, if you want to hear that story, that gives you the half a second of that weight off your shoulders. You have to keep listening uh, to the Green Majority on CIUT. Um, but but yeah, it's. Uh, it's like it's it's a, for one half second. You're gonna get it. <laughs> so what are the? I was just asking Dave about the the bioaccumulation story. You read oh, the, yeah. the story about the sexy plants. Oh, uh, everyone loves sexy plants. And I was wondering if you wanted to chime in on that uh, note as well. Yeah, uh, for sure. The, just the idea. I don't know if you could hear us out there, but the idea between the, uh, you know, this is better than pesticides. Great, or this sounds like even more attempts to play God. I'm concerned. Where do you fall on that? I th- I, I I think I f- at this point, honestly, I think I fall at the uh, on the on the getting rid of pesticides is still probably a good thing. Um, I think that the, that I think we're, we're quickly entering a world in which it feels more and more impossible to imagine us getting through a lot of the problems. Uh, and, and I think it is impossible if we presume that nothing changes, um, or that, or, and I, and I think that there's not necessarily a, a way quickly to undo a lot of the things. And I think it's good. I, I think it's, it's positive if, you know, if genetically modified, uh, uh, plants are being used in a way that actually sort of allows you to not have monoculture. It allows you to sort of break up or disrupt in some ways the the truly the super problematic parts of, of our, our agriculture system. Um, I think it's I think you know some of our on this show's consistent um, criticism of, of generally modified foods is that it sort of feeds into this system of allowing for more pesticides and allowing for more monocultures. And I think the the uh, this is known this, this doesn't really solve the monoculture part, but at the very least, I think if it's if if it gives us an opportunity to sort of move away from some of the other harmful parts, at least we're learning in how we're using this. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's somewhat ridiculous to presume that we are going to live in a world without genetically modified food at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the, I think if we can at least have the gen- genetically modified food that is allows us to not have pesticides rather than the stuff that is, you know, trading GMOs for pesticides rather than adding, exactly. adding to the suite of things. Well, we well, well like well, well, so often GMO, you know, uh, GMOs are being used to actually really just, provide an opportunity to use even more pesticides, right? No, they're mm-hmm. made to be Roundup re- resistance, and then we just, you know, and then you just, you know, crop dust the whole thing. Um, and so anything that sort of at least li- has breaks us a little bit out of the paradigm, I, I think is a, at least a positive moving somewhat forward. Uh, am I allowed to tease a story that was not on the list? Because yeah. there was some stuff that came through. So um, National Observer has been continuing to uh, just absolutely mercilessly uh, provide awesome reporting. Um, and there's been a couple of stories the last that came out last night and we're not going to dig into them deep. Stefan hasn't seen the story. Nobody's seen it. Um, but I just want to mention it. We'll come back to it next week. So there was two. Uh, one of them was that uh, Premier Notley's claimed $15 billion annual benefit from Trans Mountain exposed as false by her own budget. Uh, they have allotted no, no, no impact at all from the pipeline. There was another story uh, that came out uh, shortly after that, I was actually, I found it on LinkedIn. It was actually being shared by Sapora Berman, who I have a separate comment about her sharing it because the conclusion of the article is very contrary to one of her usual talking points. But anyway, that's a side issue. Um, uh, talking about how we may have figured out why actually the Trudeau government was so determined to get this pipeline through, despite the fact that they've been so uh, reticent to show any of their math. And uh, again, we will come back to this, but there's, uh, we've mentioned on previous shows and for years, since the beginning of the show, I've been talking about stuff about this, about these uh, trade deals. So when we were talking about the, um, the, the big giant trade deal, I'm blanking on the name of it, uh, 
but uh, the trade deal um, that was supposed to unify all the currency and all that stuff. And it was, we were Wait, talking about it for unified currency. There was, uh, part uh, of it was like a unified North American currency, and and that ended up being stripped out. But um, uh, well, I, I, I presumed originally you're talking about the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Yes, but, the TPP. But there, I do not remember a part was very, unifying. Very, very early part of that was unifying Amer- Canada, U.S., and Mexico's currency. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, but that got Trump stripped out years that. ago. Um, but uh, anyway, so the part of it, so part of that bill, part of what we and we had a few interviews with uh, some economists on that. One of the concerns there was these stipulations that essentially allowed uh, foreign co- uh, companies uh, to essentially uh, have rights that override local democracies. So if, uh, and so in this case, the Chinese government had purchased a large portion of the oil sands. And with that, uh, they get the rights to overrule any law that that comes in uh, conflict with their profits. And what happens oftentimes is these deals are made in secret. So that was part of the larger uh, TPP. But those deals on their own, these resource extraction agreements are are in place secretly all over the world. They don't tend to advertise them because they don't look at, make anybody look very good. But they're often done tit for tat. So Canada would give that deal to China in exchange for something of supposedly equal value. So there is no uh, certainty on this, um, and I'm still waiting for more reporting on it. So these are uh, not facts that this is what happened yet. It may in fact be facts, but I, I don't know them to be facts at this time. Uh, but a very good argument that possibly the reason why this was, despite the fact that nobody can figure out math how this works to our advantage, and we're just assuming this is a case of bad politicking, which is what my point has been, is that the actual fact may be not that the Kinder Morgan pipeline is profitable to Canada, but the avoidance of secret multi-billion dollar lawsuits where we'd have to pay out the Chinese government for preventing them from earning the profits they earned due to one of these deals is actually how this makes financial sense for Canada, which makes a lot of sense. Um, so again, not a fact yet. Um, I'm still waiting for information to come out on that. Uh, but it is a very plausible explanation. And those types of deals do exist. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there as some reporting. Uh, two excellent articles. I will list them on the show this week, but I, we're, we're going to come back and talk about that more in future weeks. Uh, that was my unannounced news. Uh, uh, unannounced news. <laughs> um, yeah, I should note that the that the agreement that you probably refer, the type of agreement that, you pro- that you're referencing, um, is this sort of a, is a it exists currently within you know a variety of range of trade agreements, um, and and would not have been a part of the TPP given the fact that the TPP was ultimately still in some ways not ratified, um, and remains sort of being negotiated. Right. And, just, of course, and of course, and of course, did similar. People things. might have remembered similar things. That is true. Yes, yeah, um, and and so there's a and there's a, and it's. Also interesting to know, I, I, a couple years ago when I when I when I sort of did a piece about uh, why people might support the TPP as a way to like sort of understand the concept. Uh, what's interesting about those types of agreements in which foreign uh, foreign powers are able to uh, are able to sue uh, governments um, in their inability for, for basically you know giving them less money than they think they could earn uh, is is considered largely actually a sort of a a, a, a defense mechanism from a more totalitarian. Uh, government from taking it over, uh, but more often than not, is actually used the opposite. You know, the, the, the very similar types of uh, of things. Um, that is actually that is partially why, um, why why Trump was sort of against the TPP. Of course, the United States has never lost one of these agreements. Uh, I think Canada actually loses the most of them. I think I think we are. I think our record on 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 these arguments uh, are actually pretty bad. In part because we're consistently it's usually American companies which are suing the Canadian government, um, and so it is a it, it is a sort of a. It, it's a it's a fascinating little piece that exists within. I'd be I'd be I have to read the article, but it'd be interesting to know whether or not that would be. It would be it, for China itself to sue the Canadian government for billions of dollars for not getting their not, uh, for this would be a. Um, it would it would it would it would expl- it would help explain a little bit of some of the confusion of why this was the well, thing. It makes that the Trudeau- math work if you add right. if you add to the because like a, an, an avoidance of a cost is the same as a profit as far as a balance sheet is concerned. Right. And so if there was well, there's all these stuff. Hey, it works out to zero, but then there's a secret you know lawsuit for seven billion dollars to the Chinese government. All of a sudden, the deal starts making looking really good right. <laughs> to buy that pipeline. Well, uh, if they get it built, still right. The right, thing, right, the, right. That's the that's the most ridiculous thing about this. So they still have to actually get the thing built. But anyways, yeah. Uh, so we're, we need to come back to that again yeah. i'm just proving there's some there's chatter on that and hypothetically that would provide a very understand very plausible explanation uh but again we need to come back and, and confirm more of those details uh, before we go further i'm going to take this opportunity to actually step out of the studio we're going to go to a music break we're going to get dave back in we'll let uh, De- uh 
uh, Dave and Stefan have a, a go at the mics here. Uh, this is a great time to call in. Again, we do need you to call and support us. There's much work to be done coming up over the next months and years. Uh, sadly, we will be here to do it either way, uh, but we'll be much more effective at it um, if with your support. So again, we do need to get to, uh, we have about a $500 uh, budget for this show. Uh, there's a number of ways you can uh, donate. The easiest one is just call in right now, 416-946-7800. Uh, you can also call toll-free at one 888 2048976. Also go online at ciut.fm. Now is the time, folks. Do it now. We're going to have a music break. We'll be right back and uh, have Def uh, Dave and Stefan in the studio. And we're back here on CIUT 89.5 FM. The sound from the sound of your city. Uh, fundraising drive so again to remind everyone that you can call right now Saren is on the phones you, if you want to talk to Saren right now you can call 416-946-7800 or toll free 1-888-204-8976 uh, or join it online uh, again because you know we are actually in 2018 so online things do are, are possible and exist at CIUT.FM uh, we have a and all donations are welcome yeah, there's a whole bunch of prizes that Saren's already gone through, but we're going to jump quickly into the, into the news here. Uh, I'm in, this is, of course, your host, Stefan Hostetter, here uh, with Dave um, from earlier. And we're going to talk, we're going we're gonna to get into like, one story that I sort of teased. So, so um, Dave, what do we got? What's the, uh, what's the story? Well, first of all, if I may, Stefan, we're, we're in Ford country now. So community radio is uh, more important than ever. It's always a good time to support community radio. We're looking at a story about sucking carbon from the air, carbon capture. So uh, sucking carbon dioxide out of the air is looking cheaper than ever, as a study based in Calgary appears to show that removing a ton of CO2 from the atmosphere can currently cost between 94 and 232 US dollars per ton. Uh, sorry, I already said that. Down from the $600 US dollars per ton estimated by the last such study conducted in 2011. So it's becoming much cheaper. Uh, at $100 a ton, vehicles emissions could be offset at an additional cost of 22 cents per liter. Carbon credits in the EU are currently selling at $19 uh, US per ton, which means the price is not close to being competitive worldwide. But the technology is efficient enough to gain a foothold in markets where carbon goes at a higher price. Such carbon captured from the atmosphere can also be converted into fuel, which might end up qualifying for California's low carbon fuel standard. Uh, carbon credits in that program are currently trading at 135 US dollars per ton. And Calgary Group Carbon Engineering, who uh, conducted the study, plans to set up a facility to produce 200 barrels of carbon captured fuel per day by 2021 followed by a commercial plant to produce 2,000 barrels a day. Thank you very much. Um, and so th there is a, what is interesting to me about this story uh, is, and I know we've now done a story uh, on, on first genetically modified foods and now geoengineering. And so this is sort of is a, this we're, is, we're, we're playing a bit, we're, we're playing. officially pro-geoengineering and uh, genetic, genetic modification. Uh, I wouldn't say that you can't, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, the, in, the, in a world where there's only black and white, you can make that case. However, I, I would argue that uh, there, are, there are definitely much, many other ways of understanding that concept. Um, and and what, so what, what it, I, I find so fascinating actually about this story is how much it it is a geoengineering of a very different type, a eh? um, in that most geoengineering that we under, we think mm -hmm. of is mm -hmm. is pumping sulfur into the atmosphere, um, shooting mirrors into or space. shooting mirrors into space. Yeah, some of these like these and all of those really have a, a another almost completely other unknown. Uh, Set of things that could go wrong because you're adding something to the environment. Yeah, you're you're really you're, you're doing something else totally totally unknown to the you know the the few histories we have about about shoving uh, sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere. All of them say that they dramatically impact rainfall and that who knows what might happen here. Mm. This technology uh, and what's uh, let me paint a picture. If you haven't seen it, it looks like just a, gig a whole bunch of gigantic fans. There are just these huge, huge fans that basically have uh, they, they sort of air goes through them. They have a certain type of comp uh, molecular compound that absorbs carbon, mm. uh, and then and then that carbon actually is then uh, and then that carbon sort of becomes a a, a thing that they can then they can then sort of force into into small little 
pellets and then burn again for more fuel mm. uh, if you wanted to burn it. Or you could throw it underground and then it'd be a, way to, it'd be a much better way to store carbon than the current idea, which a lot of carbon capture store te- technologies right now, is that the idea of you just shove it underground and then you just hope it doesn't leak. Mm. Whereas this is, is, this is actually in, in physical form, and so it has a very different... Uh, implication. What do you understand about the uh, impact of the burning of that carbon-captured fuel? So you have carbon being taken from the atmosphere, somehow being converted into more fuel, and somehow that fuel is, is cleaner? No, no, no. It's the, not cleaner. It's not any cleaner, no. Yeah. But you're also not adding any new carbon to the atmosphere, right? Mm. And so the idea it's here... carbon neutral. It would be carbon theoretically neutral. Mm. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and, so, and so what is interesting about this process is that it is... I've always sort of struggled with picturing how humanity would, would effectively get itself out of, of a thing like climate change because we are not very good at uh, at sort of uh, – we are very good at in great industrial projects. We're not very good at sort of you know overall systems change uh, and overall climate change. And, and what's interesting about this technology sort of becoming more possible – now, again, I should note that – the actual physical scope of the of the of the size of these things is pretty big. It's like a massive, massive wall of ventilation. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, boxes. Yeah, exactly. And and the amount and there's no indication in this article from from, from Nature magazine of the number of these things you would theoretically need to effectively uh, use this as actually a carbon mitigation technique. Mm. Um, however. Uh, the fact that it is actually be, the fact that it is actually is decreasing to the point in which it would be able to be get with under, under right now, most scientists believe that you would need to have a price on carbon between 100 and 250 tons. Mm. Um, and so, two, what do we mean 250 tons? So 100. Sorry, it's 100 dollars. Sorry, sorry, good point. Um, 100 dollars uh, between 100 dollars and 250 dollars per, uh, per ton. Per mm-hmm. ton. And so, and that's within the range of the ventilation. The, the ventilation has now pulled itself within the range of roughly where, where the people believe the price on carbon should be mm. to mitigate the n- n- enough action that would happen around everywhere else. Mm. And the thing about this is that because it directly removes carbon from the atmosphere, it provides an opportunity to of it provides an opportunity to act actually as a very different kind of carbon sink. Mm. You know, it would provide the opportunity to actually sort of do some much more direct re- reductions in in uh, in things mm. in, in carbon, and it provides an opportunity. Opportunity to really to have a way to mitigate some of the some of the work to, to lengthen the amount of time you might have um, in 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 terms of in terms of actually getting to to a carbon uh, more carbon neutral society, mm. especially if you're able to scale this up. It uh, can um, widen the uh, carbon budget uh, landing zone, perhaps. Exactly. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it, now the scaling of it again is the is the is the huge unknown here. Um, but the thing, as I teased when, when Sarah was here, the, the second of, the second of, uh, of, of weight is that this is one of the, one of the things where like, if you believe this could work mm-hmm. for half a second, mm-hmm. you will feel that there's a little bit of weight of like, maybe mm-hmm. there is a way out of here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and from a geoengineering, if you, if you're going to geoengineer the, the earth in any capacity, um, this type of pulling t- uh, carbon out of the air and it mm. is is certainly favorable from almost anything that's actually adding something else to the environment. Yeah, this this is the softest geoengineering uh, scheme I've heard of yes. to date. Yeah, can it, can it, in what in what sense then is it even relatable to, as geoengineering to other? Because it's not like it's not as if we're putting something. It's not as if we're actually engineering the atmosphere. We're we're simply extracting chemicals from the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, well, exactly. Yes, uh, no, but it still is. I, 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 my understanding, the understanding that geoengineering would, st- on a scale that would be required, you would still be, mm. d- you would still be doing a fair amount of augmenting the the true nature of the mm. nature. But by that, nature. by that definition, extracting the oil sands is geoengineering. Oh yes, well, so is clear cutting forests. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we have been quote unquote geoengineering for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think people in the climate sphere have very specifically narrowed down on what they understand as geoengineering mm-hmm. uh, more recently. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is a there is a piece of this that is that is that is interesting and worth paying attention to, um, and and especially because it 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 may see and to me this is the type of thing where it's like this came out of Calgary. This is something mm. that, that, that we could be investing in 
and this is something mm-hmm. that we that that Canada could be a a leader in, mm-hmm. and it's something that right now. Alberta, the place that we're so convinced that must have oil sands as a solution, mm-hmm. could be leading in this type of things. And there's a whole bunch of places like Alberta right now is a hotbed for carbon capture and storage uh, technology mm-hmm. because they want to find ways that it's still okay for them to pump the oil sands. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there's no reason why you can't just say we just need carbon capture and storage technology, especially something like this, because I'm still I'm still relatively not uh, any idea of just trying to force air underground and holding it there does not, to me, really feel like a, a great solution. But a version that actually sort of makes it into a, into a physical thing uh, dramatically stronger keep, traps the carbon in a much more real mm-hmm. way. So, so in this sense, the carbon is being, from the atmosphere is being converted into new fuel. Yeah, basically. Whereas other carbon capture technology simply stores, it under, stores the carbon underground? Uh, occasionally, yeah. The, so this actually, there's actually a couple different ones mentioned in the article. There's another thing that they do here is that they, they capture carbon uh, and they pump it into greenhouses mm. uh, as a way to feed plants oh. uh and so wow. yeah and so there's a wow. there's a variety of ways that people are you are using the stored carbon mm. some of it's being turned the, these giant fans are the ones that turn it into the sort of that, that, that turn into the field but there's other mm. ones that are ca- capturing it and then actually just mo- using it for um for other purposes mm. and so there's a couple different ways that 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 that, that is happening mm. but yeah the traditional sort of what people think of when they hear carbon capture and storage it is the idea of um, usually, honestly, within the actual uh, oil extraction time itself, pulling the carbon at that point before, right after the burn, and then pumping it underground. Mm. Um, and 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 then and then that is the mm. and using actually use usually it's using that actually to then push out more oil. <laughs> um, it's wow. like a it's a yeah it's a anyways it's, it's, a, it's a complicated process, but it there's a certain couple of ways, but that's really the the idea. Mm. Um, and so I think there's actually a. There's an opportunity for me to be truly carbon negative. I think that's that's the part of it that I, that, that excites me, is that is that there's ways that you could see an industrial build leading to some more carbon carbon negative technology, mm-hmm. rather than just sort of how it. how can this capture how can this how can these fans be carbon negative though? Well, basically, if they just instead of burning it, you actually just put it back underground. Yeah, yeah. back you, back with the fossils. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if you like if you just were sort of like that would be that would be the solution, right? Mm-hmm. Would be would be to find a way to to really just pull it out and just put it right back. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about that is it offers actually a very specific, interesting way to think about um, uh, when you're trying to offset your say vacation or flight. Mm-hmm. If you were able to buy into one of these companies and actually just truly buy carbon that they're putting under the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, like right now, most offset companies uh, are just selling, you know, are just selling out, um, you know, like the idea that we will replace a coal with a solar or something. You know, like they're, they're, most offset companies, most offsets are not actually truly removing carbon from the atmosphere. They're just finding ways to not add new carbon to the atmosphere. Mm. And so if this was able to drag its price down a little bit more or keep it steady at some certain amount, and you could actually sort of enlist these sort of types of businesses to truly pull carbon from the atmosphere, mm. then you're actually looking at a place where you would be able to sort of have some sort of build out to actually do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And, and so I am not in any way one to advocate very at all, really, uh, for, a, for capitalist solutions to, to climate change. Um, and, and the idea that we can solve climate change by just building a bunch of gigantic fans is, is not a thing. Like, that's not going to be the, the, the only thing that, that we need here. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do certainly think there's a lot of value and a, and, and a lot of hope to be had in the concept that there are people who are looking for some of these other ways to to have some parts of our society be able to be actually truly carbon negative. Mm-hmm. And and again, I'm going to get a whole bunch of people who probably hear this and are like, we should just plant trees. They're also carbon negative. And I agree. We should just plant trees. Um, that would be much, much better. <laughs> um, uh, and I would be interested to know how much carbon, the, the amount of space that these giant fans take up. Uh, could be sequestered by just a forest in the exact same place, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's certainly not there's certainly not here to suggest that this technological solution is the is the only or or, or the right solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think anything like as uh, I hope I hope the our audience will forgive me uh, in <laughs> in in looking for some some positive places. A little bit of solace uh, in today's dark times. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so that is what I that is sort of why I, I wanted to highlight the story today in parties that popped up, but also because. It was an opportunity to to feel a little bit better for about twenty five seconds. I can see the hope shimmering in your eyes. 
Unlike Kevin, our hosts do have use for help. Yes, exactly. Um, so we are uh, we are coming up to our next music break. So I want to remind everyone that this is the CIUT fundraising uh, show. Uh, you can call locally from 416-946-7800 or toll free at one 204 8976 or donate online at CIUT. C-I-U-T dot F-M. Uh, and this is the Sound of Your City membership drive. The donation lines are open. Uh, and if you can win a, a trip to Costa Rica, uh, if you if you give a any Very civilized country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can go to a place that has that shows health care uh, over a military mm-hmm. uh, and also an chose... An education. And also chose to be carbon neutral. Uh, this is perhaps the, if there's, if, if I ever had to like show everyone like where we, how, how living sustainably could look, uh, I think Costa Rica is a pretty good example. Now flying there is a different problem, uh, but you can offset that flight. Um, and, and you'd go there and you, 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 you'll have to go before, you have to donate before July 15th, but donate this week and say Green and George is your favorite show and we will love you forever. Mm. Uh, Megan, what do we got? We've got the hidden cameras. All right, we are back. We're in the home stretch now on this uh, on the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. Our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners, although potentially not today, they don't always play the fundraising show, uh, but always the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, remember first of all, thank you because you're the best type of listener, only by a little. <laughs> But we just, we just we like being able to track you. We're just joking, of course. We don't uh, we don't preference our listeners. We do appreciate people uh, subscribing to the podcast. We do uh, occasionally have bonus content on there. Aside, it just helps us track who's listening and, and whatnot. That's great. You can also just check out the Green Majority website if you like. Uh, I would like to take this opportunity to thank very much a number of people who have already called in. Of course, you still have time if you haven't done that yet. But in the meantime, thank you so much to Tom, uh, Lita, to Peggy, to Leanne, and to William. Thank you so much for calling in. There is still time to join them folks you can do that by calling 416-946-7800 you can also call uh, toll free at one 204 8976 or donate at CIUT.FM. I, of course, won't give out people's personal information, uh, uh, Dave, but interestingly, several non-Toronto uh, uh, callers. That is uh, very awesome uh, that we're getting some Not reach Ontario. here. Uh, still Ontario, yeah. just uh, outside of Toronto, which is great. Uh, not surprised people outside of Toronto are listening uh, or appreciate the show, of course, uh, but we don't always get uh, as many non super local call. So that's really great that, that we're reaching out there and that people are calling to support. Again, you still have time to do that yourself. We're about 20 minutes left. Um, while I was out of the room, I understand before, I, before we go to your last story here, Dave, I understand you were talking about uh, carbon from the air. Uh, uh, that's right. I, I didn't unfortunately hear the story, but I know you talked about it. Carbon saw, capture technology. Saw you talk about it. So the quick ad, I don't know if Stefan already said this, but, uh, and he, in fact, he might've said the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm actually, uh, you know, especially with uh, Trump and Ford and all this other stuff, I'm I'm changing my opinion uh, somewhat on uh, carbon capture and storage. Not because I think the technology is any better than it was before, um, but I now am e- increasingly concerned that there is just no way to stop enough of it from coming out. Uh, so my concern with promoting those technologies before was not that I don't think they should exist, uh, but because I was concerned that the allotment of resources was going to, um, you know, an advanced laser guided broom to clean up the mess rather than just not causing the mess. Yeah. Uh, now that the mess is unavoidable, all hands on the, all hands on that laser guided broom. Um, so that's not so much that I've changed my mind because I've now reconsidered something. I just now think the game is a bit late and by all means, put all the money you can into carbon capture and storage and pulling carbon out of the air to turn it into coasters. You have, the, you have my permission. Uh, that is, that is all I wanted to say about that. But you have another story, uh, Dave, why don't you start us on that? So yes, it's really a conglomerate of different stories about plastic. Uh, so IKEA uh, plans to stop using disposable plastic products in its restaurants and stores. Uh, The ban includes straws, plates, cups, freezer bags, garbage bags, and plastic-coated paper products. IKEA has previously committed to phasing out all oil-based plastics, as well as relying on renewable energy in all its stores by 2020, uh, to which end they have invested in wind farms and solar panels. Now, India... Uh, is also vowing to abolish all single-use plastic by 2022. Um, and world, the World Wildlife Fund is, 
is uh, put out, I don't know what, what they're doing, but they're asking tourists uh, to the Mediterranean to stop using disposable plastics as tourists cause uh, a 40% increase in plastic pollution throughout the Mediterranean region in the summer. And it is estimated that 230 tons of plastic waste enter the Mediterranean Sea every day. Um, also, Islamic spiritual leaders in Indonesia are joining the fight to are joining the fight against plastic pollution. Um, and Indonesia is one of the world's biggest marine polluters, and now the government will join the two largest Islamic organizations in the country to fight plastics through their network of around 100 million followers. All of this comes as traces of microplastics and hazardous chemicals have been found in the majority of snow and ice samples taken this year in Antarctica, meaning uh, that our plastic pollution has finally reached the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. While you were doing that, I, I thought of another story that we talked about very briefly a little while ago, and I just looked it up because uh, it seems like it's relevant. So, you know, we one of the barriers on... Um, you know, you, you know something's serious when even the people who just care about making money voluntarily make less money because the pollution is so bad. Mm. Uh, so you just made me think of another story, which is actually from April, but it just sort of plays into that theme where the uh, the um, absolutely terrifying Philippine president, uh, uh, Rodrigo Duarte, uh, approved a tourist ban on the country's most famous tourist island uh, of Boracay mm. uh, because it was, a, in his words, a, quote, cesspool. Uh, but <laughs> apparently, um, which is pretty harsh. I mean, if you talk about a leader of a country... Um, crazy or not uh sort of slagging <laughs> he uses inflamed rhetoric all the time uh, it is his own thing but it, you know a it's a large it's a large tourist destination you know use it, it would be not a great time and place to use sort of extreme language but in, aside from the language also just the fact that it was closed i mean the the, mm. the tourist island brings in a ton of money mm. uh for the philippines not the world's richest place um so it's just serious i mean it just sort of it just seems to be part of mm. this thing where we're getting to the point in some places of the world where um ideology is now irrelevant you just yeah. you just can't get people to come to a beach when there's you know human poop floating on the beach yeah um and it's uh, it's getting that bad even morally confused thugs are being concerned about right. plastic pollution that's right mm. yeah um we're going to give people another chance i think to call in here we've got about uh, i think 10 or 15 minutes uh left uh, so again you can do that uh you can call 416-946-7800 you can also call one 888 Two zero four eight nine seven six, or go to the website as usual at cit.fm. If you want to add the extra bit, you can also add donate hyphen uh, today. Uh, but cit.fm will get you there. Um, in the last few minutes, I'm thinking like just on that topic, um, Dave. Yeah. The idea that uh, that sort of like uh, I'm I'm feeling on that sort of like too little too late idea that when we're like getting all this information about you know the bands and places as I was just saying often it's like well past well past mm -hmm. the uh, time when you know environmentalists have have done that uh, I mean obviously we can't speak from a scientific point of view um, but do is there a point at which people go oh, okay maybe we should take this seriously or do you think it, it it stays I mean I guess I'm asking you for your faith in humanity I think that's what I'm really asking you <laughs> like is there a point when people go oh, okay I get it like I can't avoid this now anymore it's glaring me in the face so much where okay I guess we some of this environmental stuff does make sense not maybe the climate change because that's intangible but the pollution stuff uh, or is this really a case of no the second it's out of sight it's out of mind and, and we'll go back to what we're doing um, and the the basis for that question rather than just being super abstract is you know we're getting a lot more of those, these stories. We're getting a lot more of these very not environmental things, governments, that sort of stuff going, oh, okay, wow, okay, this is really serious. Yeah. Does this add up to anything? Or, or or is this sort of like, you know, we wait until the, the foam stops coming above the, the sand pebbles and then we're like, oh, great, back in business. Uh, faith in humanity, go. Well, uh, we're not a species that uh, has generally excelled in uh, cautious uh, preventative measures or uh, planning towards predictable catastrophe. We like to see, we like to see, you know, those islands of plastics. We like to see those fish choked on the, uh, on the, on the six pop can ring, uh, plastic deals. We like to, we like to find microplastics in the very further remotest regions from humanity before we get to get a handle on the bands and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you're asking, you're asking me if I think that We'll clean it up and then simply pollute it again. Is that what you're asking? Well, is it like if, it, if it's sort of people connect the dots, right? Like, oh, we closed a beach because of pollution. Hey, maybe we should like 
have some ideas around maybe preventing pollution as opposed to just every time it gets so bad, we'll shut it down until it goes away. I think like, does it, does it turn into, do people connect the dots and turn it into something that maybe aren't environmentalists? I think it's gotten so bad that we will put in measures uh, and we'll see more and more measures like these, uh, like these plastic uh, phase out things and, and could even become more uh, involved in religious communities as well who begin to, uh, or who already feel uh, environmental uh, sentiments. But uh, I think if we, put in, if we put in the measures that are currently being put in place and, and seem to be proliferating, then that will produce a, uh, a system of such measures which will itself provide the memorandum or that, uh, or that memento mori, I suppose, a, little, uh, a piece of memory uh, which will constantly be reminding us why we have these systems, of, uh, why we have these regulatory systems, and why we have these bans on plastic and so forth because of the way it was getting. So I think the regulatory system itself uh, can serve as a reminder as, and justification of its own existence. Hmm. It, it reminds me because like often uh, when we're talking about this and, and I realize this is my, my soapbox uh, moment, but uh, you know, often the, the counter argument is, well, okay, we could do that stuff, but that seems very intangible and you're going to prevent business. Right. So the, basically the Scott Pruitt argument, um, but it's tangible. You got the floating plastics in the well, water. Sure. Well then at the end, then it becomes, the then it becomes tangible. Um, and, uh, and there's, a, there's a cost. And so often it's not like the, the perception from, I mean, you know, we can pretend to not be super cynical and say these people know exactly what they're doing and they just don't care and just say that, you know, it's an ideological position of, hey, the environmentalist argument is or the, you know, the liberal argument or whatever you want to say uh, is do this because feelings mm-hmm. and I'm sorry about your feelings, but I care about my paycheck. And but that, there's always a cost like that. And that's sort of mm-hmm. what I'm a broken record about on the show was, yeah, feeling stuff too, like all that stuff. And I'm, I don't mean to belittle it, but. Um, like the argument that is actually the one they care about is not the one that's being said. So for like in this, in this case, they didn't shut it down because, you know, he was uh, suddenly just shocked with the true horror that had wrecked his homeland is because it's going to, it's going to cost them a lot of money. You mean Duterte? Duterte. Yeah. And so, and often, and there are always all these costs and, and that's sort of, I realize I've been a broken record about that, but like there's always a cost. So let's start with a cost. And I just, I just want like the, every item should be costed and that sort of, you know, and I, I, again, we'll, we, we're not going to get, we're, you know, five minutes from the end of the show here. We're not going to start getting to dissecting the election yesterday. Um, but my, my immediate thing was, well, that's what happened. My immediate reaction this morning was, and last night, uh, was that that's what happens when you don't make the case when you're doing it, when you try and make the case at election time, people have already decided there's already been a lot of time for people to decide how they feel about stuff. Right. So I think, you know, we're not going to take even the, the future show when we spend more time on 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 the, the election. We're not going to spend it, you know, picking through what the liberals did wrong uh, or right or, or either way. Um, but I think a big component of that is like, when are we going to when are people going to learn that you have to um, you have to actually make your case as you're doing stuff? Nothing irritates me more when I hear people like Justin Trudeau say Canadians want. Well, you know what? Canadians are really divided on a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> and w- what that sounds like to the people that already like you is that's right. The most like it's almost like a, a stealth patriotism appeal in the mm. uh, in an almost an American style, but a slightly politer Canadian style of the American style patriotism appeal, Mm -hmm. which is to say a real Canadian would agree with me Mm -hmm. is how one way that could come off. And what that comes off to the other thing is, well, you just don't represent me and therefore I don't have to listen to you. Whereas if they did, Hey, we're going to put in this climate policy. Here's how expensive it's going to be to not do that. And you do that from day one. Like the minute you get elected, when that policy comes out, you do marketing campaigns, you have a whole website put up about here's a running ticker on how much money we've saved by this policy. Uh, here's the amount of people who have had their taxes lowered. Yes. Your hydro bill is a little higher, but look at all the lower costs in other places. And you make that case from the beginning. It's the only case most people care about. And yet, nobody ever seems to make it. And if they do make it, they make it two months before there's an election when there's been years of people getting false or misleading information about those topics that you're trying to combat. It just seemed like, it just makes me scratch my head and wonder when are politicians going to learn? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm, I'm not, but I'm kidding. Um, that like, it really makes me want to get into politics. Not because I think I'd be a good politician, but just because I feel like they, they need to have be smacked around a little bit and be like, do you actually understand the real world out here? The real world, people don't like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is people don't understand the real world now. And to go back to your tangibility, intangibility point, the people who have the most, um, power and influence, uh, especially today, 
don't have to be but don't have to be beholden to any particular nation. They don't have to be beholden to any particular region. They can they can uh, live essentially jetting through different um, insulated, perfectly curated little aesthetic zones of of pleasure and beauty. If you raise my taxes, I'm going to move to the next town over. Something like that, or and you and you can just go to different places that aren't as polluted. Yeah. And so the people with the most money aren't. Uh, facing the actual tangibility of the problem. And so you have guys like Duterte and Islamic uh, leaders in, um, in Indonesia and the Indonesian government. Uh, not that I want to use those uh, two um, entities in the same sentence, because obviously Duterte is horrendous. There was a comma space there. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of their mutual um, concern for plastic pollution and beach pollution, they are, they are, those are people who have power, who are actually faced uh, with... <coughs> With the problem of uh, plastic pollution, mm -hmm. in, right directly in front of them, and especially with and especially with religious leaders, they have um, they they are they are closer to larger communities who are on the front lines as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas 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 elites with power and money who could actually do a lot more are simply are simply no longer related to local uh, spaces. Well, you know who is related to local spaces, Dave. CIUT 89.5 yes, FM. Yes, we, we are out of time, but there is still time to make a call. So we will use that. Thank you so much uh, to uh, Dave and all the people who already called in uh, as well to uh, uh, Megan and Steve who have been uh, faithfully hopping between the soundboard and the, and the phones out there. Stefan's out there on the phones right now. If you'd like to talk to Stefan, you can call in and talk to Stefan uh, for just a couple <laughs> more minutes. Um, he'll have to run to work afterwards. So you have to keep it short, but you can call in and talk to Stefan as long as you make a donation. Uh, he'll be happy to talk to you. So you got a couple minutes left. Very important now. Many listeners have already appreciated the importance of supporting community radio. We thank them so much for calling in. Uh, if you can't afford to call in and you just support us anyway, hey, we really appreciate that too. Just listening, being a part of the community, comment on uh, CIUT's Facebook page, our Facebook page. Just get involved, folks. Um, it's uh, time to gear up, I'm afraid, once again. Uh, so call in 416-946-7800. Uh, you can also call toll-free 1-888-204-8976. Also go online at ciut.fm. Uh, now's the time to support us so that we can help you over the next months and years of the uh, he who shall not be named until next <laughs> week. I just can't, I just can't bring myself to say it right it now. It is always the right time the to premier. support community radio. That's right. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks to listeners. Thanks to everyone on the show and good luck to uh, everybody else here in CIUT. We appreciate our colleagues here at the station as well. Aside from that, have a good green week and we'll be back to you with a real pack news show and probably a whole bunch of feisty Wheaties. I'm going to pull out the feisty Wheaties out of retirement uh, for next week uh, starting then. Until then, have a great week. Thanks for listening and donating and take care.